0: Greetings, Troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting back in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny.
1: Hey, man. What's happening with you?
0: Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm
1: fine. I, uh, well, you know, I'm I am what I am, I'm troubled. It's so it got so fucking hot today. I was yes. so glad I was inside, you know, for most of the day, but I had to I had to walk to my car from my office and it was just brutal. It was, you know it's like a seven minute walk and I just hmm. thought I was gonna pass out. And hmm. they're doing they're doing all this road work everywhere around near where I work and it, Oh jeez,
0: yeah, that's my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it's a nightmare. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, you know, you have to like, uh, they make it's like going through, uh, you know, uh, you ever see that show American Ninja? It's like sure. doing doing uh, one of those obstacles just to get to my car, just so I can get right. home and, and turn it on my car and have some air conditioning. But Some
0: parkour? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, they're just doing all that. And it's, they do, you know, of course, just like any uh, city service in any city, they. They dig up the road and then they leave, right? And then they come back like two weeks later to finish the job. I, I don't know the logic and that I don't understand it, but that's what they all do. I mean, from from LA, New Orleans, Chicago, they, they all do that stuff. I don't get the logic.
0: Yeah, well, in 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 uh, in my residential neighborhood, just a few blocks from where you're talking about, that's it's not two weeks. They they go down to the next corner and uh, tear that up. And it's been months in some of these these places where they've, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Where they put the river sand down, then it gets eroded, and then they put more river sand, and they that gets eroded, and then they forget about it, and then you just have to, uh, you know, bust your axle driving home.
1: Well, that's all going to change when I become mayor.
0: I hope so, Manny. I yeah. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. There's uh,
1: you know, you start a job, you finish a job.
0: That's what I you think. Know,
1: you know you start it you know it's like you know if i went to work and uh started to do one little task that i'm to do every day and then decided not to finish it then it it would be so fucked up which it is fucked up with the streets so you start yes. a job it's like my old romanian landlady who i used to drink cocktails with you know she didn't have an ice machine she had those ice trays and stuff like
0: that mm-hmm. right
1: you know the old school refrigerator and we would be drinking and she'd say, you know, you know, you go make a cocktail. and She'd say, you make, you take ice, you make ice. Yes. You know, it's so true. So, you know, you start something, you finish something, you know? Yes. It, it's ridiculous what's going on.
0: Yeah, it seems simple enough. I
1: mean, yeah, it seems simple enough. You know, I, I just think uh, there's some Yahoo who runs these organizations of or these city, these city departments that just, they don't have a clue. I, I don't get it. And you know what? Have you ever gone up and asked any one of these guys who are like, you know, digging up your street and say, (laughs) when is this job going to be done? Or are you going to actually come back? Have you ever bothered to ask?
0: Uh, No, I've seen other people uh, trying to uh, engage them and it doesn't seem like it turns out well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've never tried. All I know is that my street's going to it's going to happen in my neighborhood soon because I saw some guy with that little spray gun, you know, they have that spray paint gun Uh on on a a stick. It's like (laughs) a spray, a spray, a can of spray on a stick. And they go around, they just mark in front of your house. They just mark stuff in front of your house. So this happened to our our street, like I guess about two months ago. And me and some neighbors have been trying uh, to rub that paint off. So they have Hmm. no clue what they're doing. We've been trying to rub that paint off. So they maybe they say, ah, oh, we never got to this street. We'll just let it go, you know. But our street does need help. It does need help, our street.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I had a neighbor over on uh, my Bienville Street property who took his own uh, can of spray paint and went and sprayed some sections that he wanted them to address that, that <laughs> they they didn't have on the list. But he thought, this the sidewalk is all messed up. Uh, let me go put my own mark. So uh, they, haven't, they haven't bid on that yet, but uh, I'm, uh, I, I admired his, uh, his initiative.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because this is New Orleans, and some streets are just awful, and yet the sidewalks are very nice. And then there are some streets that are pretty decent, and the sidewalks are horrible. So yeah. you know, what do you want? I mean, what, what, is, what, do you, what do you take? Do you want the smoother street and the horrible sidewalk? Or do you want you know the nice sidewalk? Yeah. And I notice in this city, uh, no one really walks on the sidewalks much. People you know,
0: walk in the street a lot here. I notice yeah, that, they, man. They, but they walk in uh,
1: the street, and uh, and and that's just asking for trouble because there are a lot of ang- there are a lot of angry drivers out there.
0: Well, sure, yeah, yeah, and they're they're trying to avoid the potholes, so you know they, yeah, exactly. they uh, they're, they're swerving all over the place and you're uh, not really looking for a pedestrian there. But Manny, I was going to say. Uh, as mayor, can't we have both good streets and good sidewalks?
1: You would think, yeah. You would think. Yeah. I've been, you know, like, like I said, when I was in Los Angeles just a month ago, my, and we're driving around, and my daughter, who's getting her license, she was just amazed. She kept screaming, I can't believe these streets are so smooth here, so smooth right. here. And the sidewalks are just as smooth. It's the, what it comes down to, and this is part of my whole campaign, is like, if people keep voting the same, they're going to keep getting the same. That's why we need radical change with Manny Chevrolet, You know,
0: uh, I'm I'm really hoping the, for the best with you, but uh, uh, Mayor Cantrell seems like she's she's cruising to a a, a coronation oh. here. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, You know, we, we've we've been following the the troubled nation has been following the uh, the Hard Rock Hotel uh, debacle since since uh, it happened a few years ago. I don't know if you you've noticed the the latest thing is. Uh, you know, our, uh, our DA, current DA, Jason Williams, um, when he was still on the city council and the, 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 uh, collapse had just happened, he was trying to initiate an investigation into all the stuff that obviously went wrong with, with that and the safety and permits and, you know, the engineering
1: and and all that.
0: And, and the, the inspector general's office said, no, no, uh, stand down with that. We will do all of the investigation and don't worry. So that was two years ago. Now we're coming up on the, the prescriptive time, the, the end of the time when they can still file criminal charges. Now he's the, uh, the DA at this point, he'll be responsible. Jason Williams, Will be responsible for filing these criminal charges. The inspector general's office still has not delivered a single piece of paper uh, pertaining to the report on this. And he's Jason Williams is is rightfully uh, getting up in arms about. it. He's like, hey, people, look, you know, the, the window is closing. We need to to do something like about this. You know, there's obviously criminal or very possible criminal exposure in a whole bunch of areas here but the the ig's office is slow walking it you know you 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 can't know but you you got to suspect that you know with all the stuff we know about safety and permits and and they're they're you know not doing the the correct inspections on on all these this work that that you know possibly they're slow walking it just to uh See, well, we can, if, we, if we stall long enough, we can avoid uh, anybody getting their tail in the crack over this.
1: Well, yeah, because the guy who owns all those buildings or own that building, he's a big shot and he rubs shoulders with all the big shots we have, you know, like Cantrell and stuff like that. So this is going to be, you know, lives were lost. I mean, you might see some people getting rewarded some money that, for, for the victims, but this is, this is going to be, uh, this is a joke. And it should have never happened but you know it's the same of the same you keep getting the same because you keep voting the same you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a sad 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 thing man you know and then what the saddest thing is is like i was over you know because i i go to the ring room you know three times a week and i look Mm -hmm. at that uh, that place now it's totally flat they've gotten rid of all the stuff and it's still fenced off but what i find hilarious is that intersection that you can't, you know, because you can't go down Rampart Street there anymore, but the yeah. the traffic lights still work there. You know? Oh,
0: okay, well. <laughs> the traffic uh, least, lights uh...
1: still say red, green, and yellow, you know. Even though no cars can go through there, the traffic lights still work, you know.
0: Okay, um, well.
1: You know, but exciting news, not to change the subject so fast. No,
0: please do. No, no.
1: Exciting news is that, uh, you know, this fall they're having the big jazz fest, you know, and uh, the two weekends, but they announced today that the uh, one of my favorite bands, the uh, California Raisins, are going to play Jazz Fest. <laughs> <in> that, first, <laughs> that Wednesday between the two weekends.
0: Uh, you know, Manny, I went, think it's it's actually the Rolling Stones. Is, uh, right. Oh, yeah. The
1: Rolling Stones. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The California, you know, they're so wrinkled and pruned. I mean... Uh, these guys are so old, man. It's like, you know, wow. I
0: I tell you I, what, Manny. I, I saw them the last time they played in New Orleans a couple of summers ago, and they were so rocking, man. It was a great show. Really? So, well,
1: I mean, Charlie is so old. His social security number is two. That's wow. how old that guy is. I mean, oh, geez, it's, it's <laughs> like
0: <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, that's a that's like a, a, a T. Ben Budro joke there, man. He's he's uh, her last guest is rubbing off on you.
1: Um, you know, but I mean, I love the Stones, but really, it's like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay a fucking dollar to go see them now. It's just ridiculous.
0: Well, I mean, they, uh, it, it will be, a, it will be a, a packed crowd, and, and oh I'll tell you yeah, what they, but nothing they,
1: but old white people, I'm sure. Well, I don't who know, are, know
0: who will be there. Anybody that has, uh, I don't know what the tickets are going for, but I'm sure they're going to admit anyone who wants to buy a ticket. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a terrific show, man. I. I I it was thrilling. So, I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope none of them die before the show happens, you know.
0: Well, you know, a, f- a friend of mine that that works in the in on the on the in the organization said that, you know, there are several and maybe this is standard with with that kind of huge production is there are a couple of people uh, you know, EMTs that are on staff that have defibrillators that are there watching um uh, in case they need to go uh, jumpstart somebody, you know?
1: <laughs> well, you know, because I remember about 10 years ago this, uh, when they played Germany. Mm-hmm. This German guy, uh, this German uh, radio station was skeptical if they were really playing their instruments. Or not. And uh, uh, they actually got footage of guys behind the stage playing guitar while Keith and the other guys were playing their instruments too. So maybe they have a lot of guys in the back filling in, you know?
0: Mm, I don't think that's true, man. No, it's, uh, they, they have techs back there tuning up instruments and, and stretching strings out and stuff. There are several people doing that, so they, they may, may have gotten footage of that. But no, I was there. I was so close because, again, my friend works for the organization. I was right there watching them play. They're playing, man. That's, uh, 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, Keith, you can never figure out what Keith is doing because he's just barely strumming it. His, the, neck, uh, you know, the strings over the neck and then he'll reach down and play something real loud, you know, real angular down, a, a, a picking a, a around the bridge. And that well, I know out. what he's
1: doing. He's just trying to stay up. That's what he's doing. He just keeps standing. That's
0: what he's doing. What he's doing is he's making it sound like the Rolling Stones. That's, that's the, uh, that's, that's really, he, he's, he's putting that secret sauce. You can't figure out what it is but uh, no, he's, he, he, he's making it sound like the Rolling Stones. Anyway, that's uh, yes. It's exciting news. Hopefully, all that will happen. Uh, you know, in the midst of all these, uh, you know, the the mask mandate, possibly, you know, advisory mandate coming back into uh, in into yeah, and, and yeah,
1: okay, yeah. Because people aren't getting vaccinated, and what is Louisiana is like the fourth largest state with have the biggest spike back with vaccines. You know, mm. stupid people, man.
0: Yeah, you know? go get your vaccines, people.
1: Yeah, get the vaccine. And yes, the yes.
0: Oh, we need, need, to, need to make this happen. Well, uh, Manny, we should uh, maybe get our guest in, huh? Yes. Yes. He's very say. jaunty to me. Well, <laughs> I think that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's just his email address. But, uh, he, you know, perhaps.
1: Well, I uh, talked to him for a while before, and he's very jaunty, it seems.
2: Do like. I sound yeah. jaunty? Really?
1: Yeah, yeah you sound uh, kind of jaunty.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, well, uh, here, here, let me let me introduce him here. Uh, so he's uh, he's he's uh, originally from Wales. He's a uh, he's a singer, guitar player, songwriter, a visual artist. Uh, he's a great painter and graphic designer. He's a founding member of the punk rock pioneering uh, Mekons. Uh, also uh, one of the the founders of uh, Waco Brothers in Chicago. He's had a million bands, uh, Pine Valley Cosmonauts, uh, Three Johns with John Hyatt, big solo career, It goes on and on and on. We're going to get to all that. But without further ado, the great Mr. John Lankford. Welcome,
2: John. Hey, it's lovely to talk to you. Rennie and Manny, they're down in New Orleans where I wish I was. Yes, and where are you? I'm actually at Miller Beach in Gary, Indiana. Uh, We rehearsed him with another band that you didn't mention because you don't know about them, but it's a band called the Freakons, which is a hybrid band with a couple of people from, three people from the Mekons and three people from Freakwater from Louisville Mm -hmm. in Kentucky. And We recorded an album of uh, songs about coal mining disasters. Ah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's kind of pretty cheerful stuff, you know. Jaunty,
0: yeah, it is jaunty—a jaunty subject. Well, uh, you know, sp- <laughs> I, I did mention that you are you're Welsh. You you uh, now, so you're you grew up in Wales in uh, Newport, Wales, right?
2: Yeah, seaport town on the south coast. Um, kind of, you know, by British standards, quite quite cosmopolitan. You know, and there was quite a quite a good music scene down there in South Wales when I was growing up, and it was—I hmm. don't know—it's uh, ugly. What does Dylan Thomas say? The ugly, lovely town. He says about Swansea, which is pretty similar. But, uh,
0: a lot of these port towns, you know, New Orleans, Barcelona. I don't know. I've never been to Newport, but a lot of these, these ports have, uh, you know, Baltimore. Uh, they have similar characters.
2: Well, what's going on down there? You know, there was an area of, of Newport down by the docks where my mother never, ever wanted me to go, but that was mm-hmm. the part of town that we were all really interested in when we were like 15 or 16 years old. And, I found out later that uh, Joe Strummer from The Clash actually lived in Newport for quite a while uh, before he went down to London. And uh, he said, when I met him, we opened for him on one of his last gigs when he was playing with the Mescaleros in Chicago. And he said that the first time he ever heard kind of toasting reggae music, you know, when they get a, a fresh kind of dub cut and then some guy puts it on and gets on the mic and starts... Rap, basically, proto wrapping over the top of it. That was right. the first time we ever saw that done. Was down in down in Newport at a Barbadian restaurant called the Silver Sands on Corp- Commercial Road in Newport. Oh, so I was kind of okay. proud of that. But I think that's what was going on. All, all we used to get a lot of, you know, Jamaican vinyl used to come in off the off the boats, and so people people were really into. Into reggae and stuff like that when I was a kid.
1: And so you were you, you started playing music as a kid there in Newport.
2: No, I didn't really play it. I was just uh, I was just really into it. And then when oh, okay, I'd, to me it was like uh, you know when I was I, I like glam rock and people like David Bowie and Roxy Music and T Rex and stuff like that. But when I was sort of fifteen, sixteen, the prevalent musical kind of form was progressive rock. Which is a lot of really hairy people playing a million notes a minute, and it was all about <laughs> virtuosity. And all the songs were about elves and wizards and shit like that. And I, it didn't really, you know, didn't really do it for me. But I went up to art school up in Leeds, and kind of almost coincide, coincided exactly with the Sex Pistols coming out at the end of 1976. And then suddenly it was like, well, you know, anyone can have a band. It's just about. You know, it was about sort of taking control of your own entertainment. And,
1: so, yeah, you were the speak. ripe age as a teenager for the punk rock scene in England, right? Exactly. I mean, 19 boy. years
2: old. I was like, well, you know, I wish I'd I wish i been a bit younger, actually, because, uh, you know, I was actually bored when I was 17 and 18 <laughs> most yeah. of the time.
1: Now, did you ever go see any punk, act, like the Pistols or the Clash or any of those? Did you, did you yeah, we
2: opened for the Clash. I was, you know, with my band of Three Johns. That was pretty exciting um yeah i used to go and see all, up in the north of england when it first started you know we didn't see many of the london bands but a yeah. lot of the, uh, the there was great bands up in the north like the fall and yeah. uh, joy division and the buzzcocks but my favorite was the buzzcocks i thought they were just really fantastic then our yeah. mates in leeds were a band called the gang of four. Wow. Oh, we shared a rehearsal room with them
1: i i love gang of four I, I have some of their records right now i'm looking at one of them right now gang of four um, yeah, they were one of the best bands I ever saw live when they came to Los Angeles, where I'm from.
2: That's the weird thing for me when I was like, you know, 19 years old, and I'm like looking at this band and they're my mates, and I'm thinking, this is like the most exciting music I've ever heard. Is it just because they're my mates? And right. as time has gone on, it's like, it wasn't just because they were your mates, because they were absolutely brilliant and they've never. They never really were commercially kind of that successful, so their music never got really taken into the mainstream. So if you listen to a lot of their early stuff now, when it was the original four members—Dave, John, Hugo, and Andy—you know it's still really kind of exciting to me and really, really uncompromising and kind of, kind of like comes comes, comes out of nowhere. You know, you can tell what the influences are. There's a lot of Doctor Feelgood and a bit, of, bit of Jimi Hendrix and Velvet Underground and stuff like that in there. But this and the bit of funk as well but for a punk rock band in 1977 they were pretty wild and unusual
1: they were i i I got the uh i got i I got to meet andy gill because in the 80s he was producing a a a red hot chili peppers record
2: oh so yeah i know yeah yeah did you meet him then
1: i met him then because i was friends with flea and anthony i used to play a lot of basketball in la with flea Ah. And this is in the 80s, and they hadn't ex- they, the Peppers hadn't exploded yet onto the scene, but they were still getting signed to make records and stuff like that. And I got to meet him for maybe a New York minute in the studio, and he seemed like a very nice guy. And uh, the album was produced very well. I don't know how commercially well it did, but it was, it was, uh, I like I liked it. So, but he was a good guy. Like I
2: said, he was in, you know, we used to, the Mekons used to go when a gang of four finished rehearsing we would go upstairs to their rehearsal room from the pub because (laughs) they they rehearsed in the leeds university film society office which is above the fenton pub on woodhouse woodhouse lane in leeds and we would just go up and pick up their instruments and then start playing the songs we'd just written minutes earlier in the pub then when they came back up again They had to, we had to fuck off, but they were, they were the (laughs) proper band and we were like their little mates, you know, who, but the weird thing was we opened for a band called the Rosillos from Edinburgh, who were really fantastic, kind of art school, day glow color, kind of punk rock band. And, and, uh, their tour manager was thinking of setting up a record label and there were were no real independent labels at that time. It was just starting. And this is like, I think, it was, I think it was my birthday even, in 1977. And they just said, uh, this guy says, do you want to make a record? And we'd already said we would never make a record. We will never, we'll only ever be a support band. We'll only, we had all these punk rock kind of manifesto kind of things we'd, we'd written and decided on because everything was very uh-huh. political in those days. And, you know, we were very rigorous. But as soon as he asked us, we're going, yeah, all right. And then we kind of regretted <laughs> it because we were saying, what you should really do is sign the Gang of Four. So we played him some Gang of Four tapes, and he heard them. and He says, "No, they're like a real band. I want you because you're like." <laughs> and we we're like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" Because you guys sing, right? They were really mad with us for ages. <laughs> <laughs> oh man!
0: So you you were at uh, University of Leeds uh, studying painting?
2: Yeah, fine art department. I just you know I, the, you know the art school. There's a good long and you know honest history there of. People going away to art school and forming bands, and I, I didn't even go there with that intention. Really, I didn't know punk rock was going to happen. I thought I, 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 can't be in a band. I can't play well enough. But like the minute we got there, you know, it was kind of throw away your brushes. Let's let's do this. This is exciting. Painting's boring. You know. I came back to painting later because because uh, I had to. <laughs>
0: Right, and 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 you've had a very successful uh, painting career, man. We're gonna, i was gonna get to all that. You know, I—I I, I, the last time I saw you was uh, at a, a show down here in New Orleans at uh, Gallery Lemieux.
2: Lemieux Galleries, yeah, with Christie and Denise and Jordan, yeah. There's those. They they they, they like got in touch quite a long time ago and uh, I've had a really good relationship with them. And it's lovely because sometimes they sell things and I get money and that's
0: like, I have to give a shout out to, uh, to Christy and her husband, Alec Vance, who uh, actually hooked us up and, and, and uh, helped us get yeah. on the podcast here. So thanks to those guys.
2: Alex, one of a long list of, um, side musicians i have had he did we've done gigs together while i've been down in down in new orleans you know
0: well you know every everybody i mentioned your name to uh that you were coming on the show goes oh yeah i know john so well, i was i was recording the doing a recording session yesterday at, at tom stern's blue velvet studios and i was mentioning yeah. that he goes he said oh yeah I, uh, we backed him up thousand dollar car back john up uh, on a gig or two uh some time ago
2: yeah, we used to play at Chicky Wawa, and I was my mate uh, Alex Rawls was uh, when he, when he was a off. Was it, what's the name of the magazine? There was the Jazz Festival Offbeat. Bible, Offbeat. That's right, yeah. And he hooked me up with them because I had the show with Christy at the uh, Lemieux Gallery, and then he said, oh, mm-hmm. "I've got this band," and then you know what? Tom and Steve Watson, you know, pretty pretty good big characters. You know, it was it was yes. really fabulous, and we they learned my stuff, and I would just come down and we play. You know, at Dale's Club, Chicky Wawa. And I was right. really shocked when I heard about Dale the other day that he'd passed. I was literally waiting to call him because the last time I saw him, he said, hey, you got to come back down and play. And I was going, I'll come and play any time. You know, I'm waiting for the pandemic to be done so I could come right. back because I haven't been to New Orleans for over two years.
1: Well, also our friend Steve Watson, Renee, mm-hmm. his Father, the famous hockey player, passed away.
2: Oh, I didn't oh did he know pass that. as well? Uh, yeah, no, that's a just shame.
1: recently because I saw. I didn't it, know that. I saw it on the uh, on the Facebook hmm. that uh, his his dad it was Buddy Watson, right?
2: Yeah,
1: and, yeah, and uh, all star hockey player, part of the the, the, the the original eight teams from Canada, and he uh, he still holds the record for most penalty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a season, you He know. was the hit
2: man, was he? Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: I heard a lot of stories about him from um, well, Steve, from Steve, but also from. Um, do you know the band The Sadies from Toronto? Yeah,
3: That's I've fantastic. heard of them. Yes, yeah, yeah,
2: fantastic band. It's two brothers, uh, Dallas and Travis Good, and it's a really amazing band. I've worked with quite a lot. We even made an album with them back in the northeast, but uh, they're. Their dad, uh, their dad, had a band called the Good Brothers with his brothers, and they were yeah. big mates with Steve's dad, Steve Watson's dad. So they used to go around. Steve, when he was a kid, used to go around their house, and he'd have to sit in the basement with these weird, weird Canadian kids.
1: I think yeah. Steve told us about that when he yeah, was Yeah, it was the Sadies,
2: run. you know. So they yeah. were they were like forced to be friends when they were like nine years old.
1: Yeah, if you get a chance, <laughs> listen to our podcast with Steve. It's Really fun because it's like we had been in uh, a quarantine for nine months, and it was our first podcast that we were able to go out to his bar, which was able to reopen for a New York minute, and we did a podcast there. Uh, it's, it's a very good one. But let me let yeah. me ask you something. Go ahead.
2: No, is the pizza place open?
0: I
1: it think is. it's open.
0: Yeah, yep. I think it's yep. open. Yeah, New uh, uh, Midway Pizza. Yes, it's, uh, it's yeah, going yeah.
1: Strong. I love yep. that
2: place. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. They have right. one at the new airport too now.
2: I know oh, my my artwork right. is all over the walls there. We did a, oh, we did a nice, yeah. He, he nice. took he took some of my uh, a collection of my p- prints and then made a kind of whole display of my work out there. So yeah, and yet, nice. since since it's been up, which is must be like nearly two and a half years, I haven't come through so.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, I was at the airport about a month ago, and a lot of those places are still closed down. There's only a few. Right.
3: Yeah, I don't
1: know so. how much it's opened in the last month. But let me ask you something. Back going back to the '70s, you opened for the Clash. Uh, I was a I'm a huge Clash fan. Joe Strummer was like fucking god to me. I just thought he was so cool. You know, kind of like Keith Richards to me. You know, um, and I actually got to meet him in the '80s. And because he, you know, I was in the film industry and he was in some films with Alex Cox and, um, what's his name? But anyway, I just thought Joe was the funniest character. He just, he just would come out and blurt these word, these things that just, I found so hilarious. And like, I remember when he was doing his first solo record in LA and he had a uh, Xander Sloss on guitar and lonnie i think lonnie mitchell on bass and we'd be we'd be in the studio and joe would say the most craziest things like lonnie would be laying down his bass tracks and joe would say things like hey lonnie make it sound like grapes (laughs) 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 which is like and lonnie who's this kid from east l.a you know south central l.a who's a fantastic bass player was like has no idea what the hell he's saying
2: you know, no <laughs> that's how musicians communicate a lot of the time is you right, say right, completely right. demented things in the vague hope that someone will you know it will give someone some direction
1: and then he would say things like uh make it sound like it's coming from the other side of the mesa
2: yeah oh, that's pretty cool that's evocative
0: <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know let me, let me get back to the to the me uh for a minute so so you guys start, a, a, it's a, it's like a collective, right? You guys, it, you have very political ideas. I was looking, all the, the songwriting credits, all uh, if, if all the original material is all credited to the Mekons.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: As a group. And you started out as a drummer, right?
2: I was the drummer. That was the only reason they really asked me to be in the band, because I had a drum kit, and I could vaguely beat out a rhythm on it. And everybody, when I was asked to join the Mekons, Tom, who was in the same year as me uh, uh, in art school, uh, said, do you want to be in a band where no one can play? And that's <laughs> a ridiculous thing to ask anyone, you know, except for this one moment in history, you know? And it was like, to me, it sounded like, oh, I was, I was kind of in demand and there were all these kind of kind of horrible bands that I didn't want to be and wanted me to be in them because I had a drum kit. And then they, I can be in a band with my daft mates who don't know how to play. That sounds much a much better option. <laughs> so we did that.
3: So,
0: so you guys, you know, you're inspired by punk rock. I mean, punk rock is you're you're in the first wave of of British punk rock. But you guys, right off the bat, have a very uh, you know roots country influence. Um, were were you into that music uh, as a kid, or or what? How did that come into the
2: well, I thought I hated country music, you know. Uh, but I, it turned out that Johnny Cash was country music, and I didn't really realize that. And Johnny Cash was one of my, you know, he was massive in Wales and huge in England because I think uh, it was actually a Manchester TV company called Granada recorded the San Quentin con- uh, concert and made that. That was that was like you know on British TV. I remember oh. seeing that, and he had lots of hit records, and my. You know, I, I had a lot of, um, my family's a lot of women who like music and they all really like Johnny Cash. And I thought country music, you know, I didn't think he was country music. I thought he was like Elvis, like rock and roll or something like that. But Mm. yeah, we, 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 I think there was things, things like Hank Williams. We we weren't quite sure what he was, but you know, there was a DJ from Chicago called Terry Nelson who came to England in 1983 when the Mekons were kind of in some sort of disrepair and we weren't really gigging much, we were just kind of fiddling around with synthesizers in our, our bedrooms. And, uh, he came and, you know, he wanted to, wanted to get, find out what had happened to the Mekons because we were one of his favorite bands. And he also, uh, brought with him a bunch of cassette tapes of like Merle Haggard and Ernest Tubb, George Jones, Hank Thompson, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, stuff like that. And we, That was a revelation to me because I suddenly, you know, probably about 25, 26 years old at the time. And suddenly it's all these songs, uh, all these songs that kind of seem to effortlessly speak directly to, you know, the things we were interested in, like drinking and (laughs) failed (laughs) relationships. In fact, Terry said to us, Your Mekons are a country band because all your songs are about two chords. And they were all about drinking in bars and failed sexual relationships. We were like, "That's ridiculous." Then he played us all this stuff, and it was like, "Oh, maybe we're a country band. Who knows?" Yeah, there was also a kind of thing called cowpunk going on in London, which was very kind of yeehaw and people blacking their teeth out and wearing dungarees <laughs> and kind of making kind of making fun of country music. And I think our thing was we weren't trying to sound like it, but we were actually we kind of like just immersed ourselves in it. And listen to it a lot and then what we made it was no real conscious attempt to to imitate yeah yet the sort of content and spirit of it came came bubbling through so we made an album called fear and whiskey uh, yes in 1985 and we thought that would probably not do very well and didn't really in England but in America it did great (laughs) <laughs> so right. suddenly we're like, "Where's it selling?" All right, we've got to go there. And, you know, we ended up playing in Chicago and New York, San Francisco, and they became our kind of base cities in the eighties.
0: Yeah. Now you guys were, were already very politicized. Um, did did so? You know, this is during the time of like Thatcherism, Reaganism. Uh,
2: you know, yeah. Things- the, the root of all our problems.
0: Yes, that that we're that we're still suffering from today. Yes, we're we're we're. Exactly. Uh, we're re-
2: that,
1: that's where the fear and whiskey came in, right?
2: Yep, oh, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. where my troubled mind came.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: came in. Bloody Reagan and Thatcher becoming mates was like a disaster for everyone.
1: Well, I know because Reagan was our governor in California for eight years. I grew up with that, and that guy he tried to cancel Halloween one year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Just the warm up for the uh, for the global uh, cancellation yeah. of
1: uh,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, so everything. then uh, Margaret Thatcher managed to just cancel manufacturing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you, look, really quickly going back to art school and stuff. Did you ever meet? Because one of my favorite art school bands from England was the Modettes, that all girl band.
2: Oh, I saw the that? Modettes play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were, an all, they were an art school all-girl band, and I just thought they were fabulous. Did you ever get, you ever got, you got to see them actually live? I've seen
2: them play, stuff? yeah. I, I saw them play in London uh, at least once, but I, I don't know if I ever got, you know.
1: Yeah, they kind of just feel so laughter. I think they made <laughs> two record they made two albums, and that was pretty much it. They no, that was one. a
2: good band, yeah. That was a good yeah, band. Yeah, I
1: love that band. And there was a guy in L.A. Uh, during the 70s, and I don't know, I guess in the 80s, and Roddy on the Rocks, who uh, you know? Oh, I know just, that. Yeah, yeah. Rodney on the Rodney Binghamheimer is his name, and he got all the kids in L.A. He, he just got tons of British music played every Sunday night from eight to twelve, and that's how we all got hooked on this shit. And and then it just exploded, you know.
2: Finally. Right, right, right. I know. I remember. I remember Rodney on the Rocks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good guy.
2: How long you been in in New Orleans, Manny? Uh,
1: way too long.
2: <laughs> Are you really going to be the mayor?
1: I'm trying. This is this is my fifth time running for mayor. My fifth time running for mayor. And like I told Renee earlier, it's like people keep voting for the same so they're going to keep getting the same. We need yep. radical revolutionary change and it comes with Manny Chevrolet. My first thing I'm going to do is we're going to have 9-day weekends. 9-day weekends. <laughs>
2: That's nothing new in New Orleans, is it?
1: <laughs> well, it, should yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. it shouldn't be, but it'll be great. You'll you'll work 5 days and then you'll have a 9-day weekend.
2: Oh, I think that's that I could do that.
1: I you do could that. Well, yeah. as, a, as an artist and musician, you would love that because you'd be able to play, show your art, you know, do your street performance. You know, see, many
2: people don't even understand that the weekend as a concept is the invention of organized labor as well. Yes, so that would yeah. never, there would never be a weekend as such. Like medieval people didn't have weekends, you know, pre-industrial people didn't have weekends. That came about through trade unions and people fighting for the right to not work some days. Otherwise, they'd have been working every day.
1: Well, it's funny you mention that because just just a couple of days ago, I read this story. Um, what's that big company here in the U.S.? I forget what's on the, but they're forcing, uh, their workers to work 88 hour weeks someplace in Utah, a company in Utah, they're forcing their workers to work 88 hour weeks. So you get basically like five hours sleep a day.
0: Well, yes, we're, we're, we're back on the track towards feudalism and that, and that's, that's the, the, the big trick that got played on on yes. americans for sure but you know uh Britons as well is that you know they they said uh, well look we have all these unions and we there some of these unions are corrupt so the solution is to get rid of the unions and then everything will be fine because look everything's fine now right and the people were gullible enough to go oh okay yeah all right well let's get rid of the unions when well you know, it's now it will just be a slow or fast uh, walk back to feudalism.
2: We would never had songs that were like smash the system, Reagan and Thatcher are awful, but we had songs that described that situation a lot, you know, and were basically infused with that climate. And it's, I really see that gap between the rich and the poor that was really kind of and the destruction of some sort of social contract between, you know, workers and and bosses that sort of whole thing really got dissolved with them and it's just gone on and on and on
3: yeah.
0: yep yep that's that's where we're, uh, we're reaping that harvest now well um, Manny I'm looking at my drink and thinking uh, it seems like it'd be it doesn't a, a, like
1: you well
0: <laughs> no it, it loves me we're, 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 we're having a very intimate you love it here. I know you love
2: it it loves you so much it wants to get inside you
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it's working. Um, but I'm thinking uh, it'd be a good time to take a little break and refresh our cocktails. What do you think?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. John T., this is the time we take a break.
2: Well, then, my, my gin and tonic is dry as a bone, so I'm, gonna go. yeah. I'm, I'm heading to the fridge.
1: Yeah, you got to do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, nation. <laughs>
0: with mr manny chevrolet i am renee coman back with our guest mr john Langford.
2: hello again
0: yes yes hey john hello john <laughs> hello. Jaunty. hello jaunty john
2: i'm i'm wearing my headphones at a jaunty angle for you
0: <laughs> very good very good so uh, uh as the trouble nation knows our our uh, you know our our sp- our longtime sponsor, uh, uh, VeloBar, is in a transitional uh, stage. They're kind of laying low. So we're back to our original uh, sponsor, Loose Change. So if anybody has any loose change in your couch cushions or uh you know, sitting around somewhere, you know, uh give it to us. We are we are relying (laughs) on uh on uh we are a listener supported operation um at this point, really always have been, but uh you know, certainly solely listener supported. So, you know, we have the Patreon page, we have the the cocktail fund, the PayPal account. Um please uh, you know, help support the podcast so we can continue to uh, cover our operating expenses and bring you this cavalcade of stars as guests that we have. Um, you know, uh, uh, other than that, you know, I guess I'm going to plug some dates, Manny. Uh, the iguanas are going back out on tour for the first time. Uh, in, it's been nice in, uh, knowing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Um yeah, you may be able to get off the hook of this podcast if things go the way you're hoping, uh, but, but I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. So the, uh, the Iguanas actually uh, are playing in the Midwest. We're playing uh, uh, Madison, Indiana on uh, August the 4th, uh, and uh, then we're going to Columbus, Ohio on August the 5th at Natalie's, then uh, going to Johnstown, uh, uh, the town that John lives in, Chicago, and we're playing at Fitzgerald's there on Friday, August 6th
2: fantastic club i've seen you there before i've seen you there play at the july the 4th festival
0: yes we have played shows there you playing with the waco brothers uh, yeah. on, and many many times fantastic and, and hopefully we'll get to running into each other there then uh, the day after that we're in uh, minneapolis uh on uh, august 8th then we uh we rush down to Austin, Texas, to play the Continental Club for Will Sexton's birthday gig. And it'll be uh, the Iguanas backing up Will on an entire set of uh, music from his most recent record that we uh, we made the Iguanas backed up Will on. So we're playing all of that and then a full Iguana set. So it'll be great to get back to the Continental Club. I know a place you're quite familiar with, John. Oh, yeah. No,
1: wait a minute. You're, you're- it's funny how you say jo- uh, Jonestown and Waco. Those are two like uh, j- two cults, man. <laughs> two cults. Right,
0: two right, cult right.
2: Men. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: I'm
2: in a cult, I'm in many cult bands, that's the only, you know.
0: Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yes, as we all are. Um, well, you know the 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 Mekons, I was looking at, uh, you know, y- 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 there've been so many people at the have gone through that band over the years you know it's 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 one of those (laughs) institutional bands that i I know the the lineup has been kind of set
2: uh we should be in an institution yeah
0: (laughs) sure sure like you know i i I played in this band uh tav falco's panther burns you in panther burns oh man yeah i was i played on uh several panther burns like the second or, or the Third and fourth and fifth panther burn records. I was in the band like in the the early '80s, but that's a band that wow. at this point is still going, and there have been like over a hundred members that have gone through it yeah, over yeah. the years. But uh, you know, Tav Falco's still running it. But the Mekons had had that 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 same kind of.
2: We had some, you know, changes early on. There was one band. There was kind of a changing of the guard when we ended up for reasons unknown to anyone we ended up on a major label and then of course that was an unmitigated disaster we were on virgin records with richard branson who recently went into space and sadly came back (laughs) uh we were on his label and then once you know once that fell apart a lot of people kind of left the band a few about three well two of them left and it was kind of awkward but the rest of us, and everyone hated us, you know, we would, we'd sell out, you know, what, what <laughs> we were, but then uh, we just kind of hung around together, you know, the, the rest of us were kind of more of a social group, and we just liked each other's company, and we sort of slowly got back into being a band, but in 1984, 85 was the minor strike in Great Britain, which is interesting, because a lot of the stuff I'm doing this week with the Freecons down here in... Um, we're working down in, in Indiana on a, a record release party in Chicago this weekend. We're rehearsing the songs. It's all songs with uh, from, uh, the Freak from, the free Quarter girls from Louisville, Kentucky, and me and Sally from Yorkshire, and me from South Wales, mining areas. And it's all, And a lot of the sort of songwriting that I really, I don't know where I I've, I've felt like I actually accomplished something with songwriting came from that that period and that Mekon's Fear Fear and Whiskey came out of that period as well when we basically just got a band together to play benefits for the the striking miners during the 84-85 strike which was Margaret Thatcher's you know attempt to crush any sort of working class opposition to her policies and uh, it was a very very politicized time and it's still has ramifications for me today what we're talking about and singing about right now. So uh, the Mekons put that band together but we, we were lucky then because we, we got people in who could play and could play really, really well. So we had Steve Goulding who'd been in Graham Parker and the Rumour but also played with the Gang of Four, also played with Roxy Music and David Bowie so he's still in the band now. Lou Edmonds was in the, the Damned and he's currently both in public image limited and the mekons and uh, susie honeyman a great violin player joined us in like 1983 even before that and so the band's actually been pretty consistent for
0: right for a long right. time
2: but lots yeah. of people come in and out and they said we say it's the only way you can ever leave this band is in a box so
0: right right yes well so you since you brought the the, the mining thing up again I, I uh you know saw that, that you had this uh, uh Uh, Lucky Seven series of of singles that you're releasing over the next few years.
2: Yes, a a mammoth project on a Spanish record label (laughs) who let me do anything I want, which is great
0: and john you're uh, i'm gonna i was gonna mention your incredible work ethic man i wanted to get into the the, the character of, of is that a, a welsh character but but just to stay on this topic so one of the first so you're releasing these singles in sets of three and uh one of the first singles uh has uh, the the b-side is this uh aberfan 1966 uh, a yeah. song you you wrote about the mining disaster near your, your, your hometown. And and you said that that was a singular event that scarred your childhood. T- talk about that. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's fun. It's so weird because that's what we've been talking about that today. Because uh, Catherine from Freakwater wanted to sing the New York Mining Disaster 1941 by the Bee Gees, which, mm-hmm. you know, that song, in the event of something happening to me, which... I've always loved that song, and I didn't realize that it's that's actually written about the Aberfan disaster. And but they kind of wow. changed it around because, but they wrote it in I think in 1967. But the Aberfan, it wasn't the classic mining disaster where there was an explosion underground and a load of miners died. It was a kind of man-made, idiotic disaster where they piled up the slag from the piled up the slag from the coal mines on the mountains above a village and most particularly above the village school in abervan and then one morning it rained there was a they put it in a place which was un, unstable the whole slaggy mountain came pouring down the hill
1: so what, wait excuse me when you say slag what is slag
2: slag is the waste mining waste it's like, oh, what, okay. like All right, and, yeah.
1: okay yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean I, not
2: like I, me. yeah. i'm a bit of a slag myself <laughs> <Yeah. right now. laughs>
1: I like that word. I'm going to
2: start using uh, You slag. Word. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, but so they – like literally 114 – I think it was 114 kids were killed, and they, they were hmm. right in, in my age group. You know, that happened in 1966, and they were all about, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, which I would have been well, at the time. And it was about 15 miles from – 20 miles from where I, I grew up. Uh, I wrote a Facebook post the morning on the 50th anniversary of that that incident. I, I wrote a Facebook post because I'd gone back to Wales. And I'd woken up really in the, early in the morning because I was quite nervous about the whole thing. And there was a big sort of memorial going on. And we we went up there. And I, I just put this Facebook post up. Then the singer, uh, his name's Yoss, but he's known, uh, oh, God, what's he known? G.W. Sock from a band called the X a very big uh, do it yourself anarchist hardcore political band in um, in Amsterdam who've done amazing things that really really fantastic records all through the years and I I produced some of them and worked with them he saw my Facebook post then he was doing something with an electronic band and he just decided to read my Facebook post over this electronic music so mm. I had no idea he'd even done it then he, then, he, then he sent it to me. But the the content I was trying to express was, you know, that I'm an atheist and my atheism, if it stretches back to any, you know, if it's rooted in any one event, it would be, you know, if there's a God, why did he let this happen? You know, Abavan was really a, you know, there was, we grew up with the bomb, you know, probably the first generation to with that idea of nuclear Destruction, and then also we had, you know, in my my area, this completely cataclysmic kind of event where all these kids were just wiped out for no other reason than negligence and greed, you know, on the part of the the slag, the slag,
0: and and that must have uh, you know contributed to your early politicization, I, I would imagine, huh?
2: Yeah, my what my mom's family were. You know, a lot of coal miners on my mum's family. So, yeah, and Newport was a lefty town. And, uh, you know, it was a dock town, working class town. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I mean, when I moved to the States, it was really quite odd because suddenly I realised I'd slid off the political spectrum because I was a sort of, you know, I thought it was quite a <laughs> moderate, normal sort of socialist guy. And then coming to Chicago, I suddenly realised, oh, I'm like off the map here. You know, yeah
0: <laughs> well well tell us about you moving to chicago uh what's uh, how did you want you've been there a good long time how, how did that uh how did that occur
2: i met a woman and she was from okay. chicago she was living in france and we got together i'd met her before through actually that guy terry nelson i mentioned when the, he got the mekons and the three johns over so i met my wife helen at a, at a party at his house and then i talked to her for a bit and then a year later I was at another party at this house, and this woman came up to me and said, you don't remember me, but we were talking last year. And I was like, actually, I do remember you. (laughs)
3: And
2: then five years later, we got together. Actually, because of that band, The X, we went went up to uh, Amsterdam, and I met her there. She was living in Paris, and I was going to Amsterdam. I just asked her. She was a friend. I just said, come up and see us. And uh, Terry, the singer from The X, uh, the uh, guitarist in The X from Amsterdam, thought we were. Thought we were a couple, and as the night progressed, we became a couple.
3: Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And she moved back.
2: She moved back to architecture school in ninety one. So I.
1: So she's from Chicago or from France?
2: She's from no. She's from the Mafia suburbs of Chicago.
1: Oh God!
3: <laughs>
2: <Okay>. River Forest.
1: <laughs> Is her last name Capone?
2: It should be. It's, it's, <laughs> actually, she's, she's Greek, but we do uh, shop at a grocery store called Capone's. That's uh, what they call it. Uh, it's not Capone's. It's Capone's, and I think that's how they make the differentiation. Right. But, yeah, I moved you April. We got married to July 92. Mm-hmm. So, well, you okay. So you just
3: I mean, got married
1: was, a few days ago?
2: 92.
1: <laughs> oh no! Okay. Oh, I thought you said July 19th. It kind of broke. You're up.
2: 92 years old. Yes, I am, and I'm proud of it.
0: Uh, uh, you're holding up quite well for 92, John.
3: One
1: of
0: my sons is in the
2: Rolling Stones. I heard right. you
3: talking
0: about <laughs> it.
2: He's a fine young man.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, yeah, no, I, I just love Chicago. That I'll have to, I'll, I still have to say it's, it's a great city, and it's, it's one of the. I got a mate who says there's there's, th- there's three American cities. There's New York, there's Chicago, and there's New Orleans, and the rest are all Cleveland. I don't fully agree with that, but
0: nah, I don't okay. agree with that either. A lot of people would throw San Francisco in there, and but yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. You
2: know, no, we've had we've had fantastic, you know. F- but the, I think the only time we really felt like we had a real groundswell of like people, you know, it wasn't we wasn't a we came over with late major labels and agents and. We were in hotels and clubs. And when we came to Chicago, we actually stayed with real people, with friends, and we stayed a little longer at the end of the tour. And I just, it, it had a real feel of the north of England for me. It felt very similar, kind of like hmm. a sort of place where people don't, people here don't, in Chicago, people don't give a fuck what's going on anywhere else.
0: So you're in Chicago and you start uh, the Waco Brothers.
2: Yeah, the Waco Brothers was uh, just a bunch of guys that, had all been in kind of touring bands and were suddenly landed in Chicago and just wanted to play music purely for fun. And we liked, you know, we liked country music. We used to go to some country bars, but they were a bit scary because the people in them probably wanted to kill you. And uh, (laughs) we went to, we started going to just playing in regular bars for beer and playing, you know, Johnny Cash covers and stuff like that.
0: And it winds up becoming a very successful band. You guys put out a whole bunch of records. Yeah,
2: we teamed up with the Bloodshot label and they were just, you know, I think what happened with country music over here was like in the 80s and 90s there was just, it got really really commercialized and people kind of forgot the history of it and suddenly, you know, anything with a sounded like kind of suburban rock with a cowboy hat on it was considered <laughs> country music and the stuff we liked you know the kind of grittier stuff the mur- cheating the cheating murder and uh you know drinking songs were, were kind of relegated to they couldn't get on the on the radio well, when i met johnny cash he told me that he couldn't get on the radio anymore he said i don't get on the radio merle Haggard doesn't get on the radio george jones I said, like, how could this possibly be you know but uh Crazy. There was a bunch of people all over the country, kind of, you know, who still held that kind of classic honky. With, with us, classic honky tonk music was what I really liked. You know, Merle Haggard, swinging doors, George Jones, kind of right. white lightning, shit like that. That's what we really liked, and it was like it's, it's. We 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 just kept playing it and making that writing our own songs that kind of fell into that as well.
1: So, John, I go I went when I went to your. uh bloodshot records website there's a picture of your band now who is that girl on the left man because she is hot looking
2: <laughs> i can't think of the picture what is it is it the Meekons?
1: uh well i went to bloodshot records and, yeah
2: sally uh, Timms probably
1: yeah
2: is it sally Timms?
1: yeah i guess so and she is fucking hot man she's got the hair extensions and
2: uh, oh no you're talking about the four lost souls that's okay
1: that's four lost souls that's tony
2: newsome probably or maybe bethany thomas there's two two women in that band and uh bethany thomas fantastic singer tony newsome is currently in uh she's doing tv and she's in that show space force with steve carroll and john malkovich If you've seen that okay i
1: have no idea but she's yeah, the first.
2: She's the first black woman on the moon, man. In that TV series, is good.
1: <laughs>
0: nice, nice.
1: All right, man. Well, she's she's definitely good looking, man.
0: All right, very good. Well, uh, so Bloodshot Records, uh, you've put out so many records on on Bloodshot, the Mekons, uh, Waco Brothers. Uh, you must have a great relation. Does they must be a great great company to work with? Yeah, right? it's been you yeah,
2: know just. They provided a venue. Uh, they were enthusiasts, and they provided a venue where we could kind of do the sort of things we wanted to do. We didn't have that pressure to, you know, try and hone some kind of commercial project. They would say, you want to do something mad? Just do it. Let's put it out. You know, and there's a there's a little audience out there of people. Maybe it's not a vast audience, but there's people out there who want, want to hear music. There's people doing what they feel like doing rather than trying to... You know, endlessly hone something down to something that's going to be a commercial radio hit or something like that. I don't even know what that would be. I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't know a hit record if it bit me in the ass.
0: Sure. What does one sound like other than you know a uh, teen pop these days? I, I don't know either. Yeah.
2: It
3: yeah, sounds
0: so, like cash
1: money. That's what a hit record well,
3: sounds well, like. Well, sh- yeah. ching ching sure. yeah, That's
0: what
1: it sounds like,
0: man. <laughs> the Mekon's last, I guess it's the last record, Deserted, uh, she put out in 2019, was recorded yeah. at
2: Joshua Tree. Our bass player set up a little studio out there, and that's a guy called uh, Dave Trumfio, who lives, okay. who's lives got King Size Sound Labs. In, he had it in Chicago, and he moved it to L.A., and then he set up a studio with his Dan Dan the Yucca Man and him set up a studio in the desert and we decided, we like destination recording when we have no dis- distractions, we can just go somewhere, fill the fridge up with beer and then make some music for a week and see what happens. And it's that, that's one of the places, Joshua Tree was great, you know, and you go, you end up in a desert, all your songs are, end up about the desert, so. Yeah, (laughs) it was called deserted for that reason. We didn't go in there with that idea, but it was like we're in the desert, man. Look at all those stars.
0: Yes, desert's beautiful. You know, I always say uh, the God of the Bible. uh, They only his voice is only heard in the desert. You know, because uh, it's the only place that's quiet enough for that still small voice to be heard. You know,
2: (laughs) I like the desert. I'm from by the sea. And I miss the sea very much. And I don't, you know, the lake's all right in Chicago, but the sort of feeling I get from the sea, I get from the desert, I don't, can't really explain it. I was just in New Mexico, uh, you know. And I get the same, that space, just that idea of space. And I don't know, it's very strange, but I, I love the desert. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's,
1: if you want space, go ask Richard Branson to take you up there.
2: Oh, Jeff Bezos is—he's already offered. You know, I had a con—I had a—I had a conflict. I couldn't go with him. I had a <laughs> scheduling conflict.
1: Well, I was going to go, but I didn't have a passport.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't have a passport at the moment. I don't. I just—you know what? It's not really worrying me. I, just, I feel like I, I don't really want to go anywhere anymore. I just want to stay in my bedroom.
1: Exactly, <laughs> I'm in my bedroom right now, and uh I'm fine.
2: is it I'm nice, comfy. nice and comfy?
1: Oh, yeah, nice and comfy lots of
2: pillows to lean on
1: lots ah. of pillows to lean good. on
2: good I've sounds great. My,
1: I got my little mini bar, I got my dorm room mini refrigerator in here, really wow, yeah, and' <laughs> You're uh, all decked
0: out
2: yeah, that's and, quality of life and
1: I'm in my yeah. robe.
0: Well, you know, John. They always say about New Orleans that we have a, a low standard of living, but a high
2: quality of life. So exactly, exactly. That's what we aim for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, John. Sometimes we I open up uh, uh, questions to previous guests when I have a, a guest coming on that I think will resonate with a certain guest. I'll I'll text him and say, Hey, you have any questions for this person? And and today I did it uh, with uh, uh, the former guest two-time tony award winner michael Cerverus, uh actor and and musician uh has yeah. the band loose loose cattle that I, that I play in and uh and right, I right. said Do you have any you have any questions for John and he said yes uh his question is are you as much of a total badass as we've always believed you to be
2: that's an interesting question that's what I thought <laughs> um i think possibly Possibly, I should. The, the correct answer for this uh, would be yes. I certainly am. Uh huh. There's, there's more. <laughs> there's more you don't even know about, and you probably don't want to know. There you go. Because <laughs> if I went the other way, I went the other way. What's the point of that? You
0: know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The false humility. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah.
2: Um, time's short.
0: Time is short, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing he says is kind of a more of a challenge. He says, "Can you still pronounce?" And then it's a like a 56 letter word of some uh, Welsh village, uh, landfair, and then it's a whole bunch of consonants.
2: Pin back your heroes. Landfair go gith gogareth winddro with lantaililio go, go, goch. That's easy for you to say. That's easy for me to say. Yeah, that's easy
1: for you to say. I went yeah. there when
2: I was a kid and I went to the railway station there and they printed you out. A, you could put a penny in this machine. It gave you a platform ticket so you could get on the platform. And it was kind of a tourist shtick. But the ticket came out and it was like 12 inches long. It was fantastic.
0: Wow. Well, that's I, I did not expect that you were going to just reel that out so easily. But uh, you know, I guess that's that's, uh, yeah, that's that's I can always be surprised. Uh, you can take the
2: boy out of Wales, but you cannot take Wales out of the boy.
0: There you go. So then he goes on to say, uh, 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 tell him that that he and Sally Timms and the Mekons were big inspirations for uh, for for Michael and his partner Kim. K starting their band loose
2: cattle I thought, well that's oh, very nice that's that's really nice i hope we that's that was the intention the mekons used to go on stage do a gig and then say this is easy do it yourself that was it go and form a band and then lots of you know in the early days lots of kids would come to the show and we'd try and you know break down that barrier between that i'd felt certainly that you know you had to have certain skills and you know, education to be in a, a rock and roll band, which of course is absolute rubbish. You can just, you can just pick up anything and start banging it and say it's a band. So,
0: well, so John, I wanted to get a, a little bit into the the Welsh character. Is, is there a, a a Welsh character that, um, like I know everybody thinks of, as like a certain musical resonance that the Welsh have, or at least by reputation. Uh, I, I was there one time in the middle of November it was freezing rain the whole time I was there with uh, Green on Red it was uh you know we could could barely drive from one gig to the next All right right <laughs> didn't didn't really see too much of anything but uh but tell us about uh, you know the, the, the your your work ethic your your you know you you do so many you have so many Whoa. bands some
2: Go ahead. Well, Wales itself, if we talk about Welsh character, I would say that Wales is just, you know, it's a very small and for many years, not that densely populated a country, but many people during the Industrial Revolution turned up in Wales. And, uh, you know, the kind of myth is that it's a very welcoming place. I'm not sure, you know, when immigrants come in anyway, I'm not sure how welcoming places are, but it's... It's a place that's that's really, like, not racially pure or anything like that. There's, like, loads of people in this, and the culture. But it's very, um, I don't know, it's community is really important. And people do things together. And every village, you know, the old mining villages, the community was really tight. And, uh, you know, there probably wasn't much entertainment. People... What I loved was, you know, when I was a kid, I loved watching rugby with my dad. He loved rugby, but you know, all the rugby players, you know, they get injured and old, and by the time they, time they're like thirty, what do they do? So they all form male voice choirs, or they, you know, they move into the, the social aspect of it. So it was just a very social place, and uh, I just remember amazing parties when I was a kid. I loved. I loved going up the valleys to where my mother was from because they, they had the better parties, and it was just you know it was very, very mixed at the time. You know there was like I don't know it was, it was uh, you know probably being nostalgic, but I just thought the, the Welsh character seemed very warm and very very um, I don't know social, and that's yeah. that's what spawned me really. So.
0: Now, has your has your family been there for forever?
2: You know what, my family's our family records kind of run out after a few generations, so I have no idea. But you think of all the people who ploughed through that so the southern coastal plain of Wales, uh, you know, it's <laughs> people from the Romans were there, the Vikings were there. You know, we they tried to keep the Saxons out, but of course they got in. But um, yeah, they get in everywhere could be kind of I was always saying I could be kind of anything you know I'm not I'm not it's not a racial thing being Welsh but it's definitely a cultural thing I mean I've got loads of loads of mates back in in Wales who you know their parents come from or well, their dads mostly in Newport come from very uh, exotic countries all across the world but somehow they ended up staying in Newport and fathering children
3: <laughs> so, sort
2: of, you know, which is beyond me why someone from the Seychelles would end up coming to to live by the docks in Newport. But I guess uh, you yeah, know the Welsh women. Welsh women are very powerful. Uh, okay, nice, nice. Yeah, Good.
1: I like them. I like those women.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> powerful Welsh <laughs> women. Oh, matriarchal yeah. society.
2: Is, that's, that's actually what I was going to say. There's a much. Mat- it is a matriarchal society. I grew up with the women in my family. It was, all, it was the women who ran everything, you know? The women ran the whole show.
1: Yeah, they, re- oh, they still to this day run the show, if you ask me. Yeah.
0: You know.
2: And I miss them all, because I've, I've lost most of them now, but I miss them all, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, so I was going to uh,
2: comment on, on your, uh,
0: your, your work ethic, John. Cause, uh, I read somewhere someone said, uh, if John has four spare hours, he'll start a, a new band.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
0: It seems like that's true because not only have you started all these bands, but you also, uh, you know, d- done all this this artwork. Uh, you know, so many record covers. But bes- you know, besides your fine artwork, you know, a lot of uh, you know illustration work, uh, comic strip. Uh, yeah, most that was
2: mostly what I did before I came to Chicago. I didn't really do any sort of fine art. Like it was a good way of kind of like augmenting what I was making as a musician, but when I moved to Chicago, I really got back into painting and I have a very good gallery down in Texas called Yard Dog in Austin and they show my stuff and it's, you know, and even through the pandemic that's worked out really well. And then, like I said, forming another band, you know, we, during the pandemic, we really had no choice cause we couldn't get, the Mekons are all scattered across the planet and even the Waco brothers don't all live in Chicago. So I formed a new band called John Langford and his fancy men with, just the guys who are available, and uh, it's a good name, the Fancy Men.
0: It is They're a like good it. name. <laughs> so
2: we've already we've already cut a record, and uh, it's going to come out on just on vinyl. You know, it's 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 quite exciting. You know, I still find that making music and the idea of a record coming out very exciting. At my at my, you know, even at my age of ninety two.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Well, what else are you going to do? You yeah. know, uh,
1: yeah. you and Charlie should get together and uh, get a baby.
2: Uh, young Charlie, I'd love to sit him on my knee.
1: Yeah. yeah, He could show me his
2: paradiddles.
1: He could show. He could show you his social security card.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your, your, uh, your, your artwork and the, the kind of, uh, you know, American iconography that you, that you use in there. It's a, it's a lot of Western or, or, you know, country music figures, you know, you have, uh, you know, Doug Somm, uh, you know, Neil Young, Towns Van Zandt, Bill Monroe...
2: Yes, a lot. A lot of times, I just you know, this, I I like paint. I've, I always like the idea of painting musicians. I started off painting Hank Williams and Johnny Cash just because I felt there was like a kind of an urgent need because I felt like they were about being erased from history almost. And you know, that's not quite the way it worked out. Uh, a lot of times, I've, I've been lucky because people ask me, you know, commission me to do paintings. So when you say someone like a Towns Van Zandt or a Neil Young, you know, I'll think about it. Someone will say, "Could you paint him?" and I'll go. Yeah, I can paint them. I love I love their music, and you know, but uh, a lot of the other stuff, I think it's it's really kind of over the last sort of ten years, it's got a lot darker, and there's a lot more. Um, I don't know if they're political, allegorical, symbolic. I don't know, but they're you know they're trying to tap into something that exists in the music I like, and especially the you know the amazing. Honky tonk culture that existed in this country and the imagery of that culture. I love all the rhinestones and all the you know the shirts with the images on them and uh, it's so you know I've just it's kind of mishmash and a lot of times with me the, the songwriting and the the paintings kind of blur into one one thing.
0: Nice, nice. And you have that bonehead character, that the bonehead series, which is a skeleton yeah. character. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I did an album called All the Fame of Lofty Deeds and it, and I, th- I imagined this kind of country and western star called Lofty Deeds and how he was, somebody, when the album came out, somebody said it was like a honky-tonk Ziggy Stardust, which is what oh. I thought, if I'd thought of that before the album was <laughs> finished, that would have been a brilliant idea. And it was a really good, you know, sometimes you get someone reviews a record and it's like, ah, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. But that was kind of like what I was going for. I just didn't, didn't really articulate i could have articulated it more M- Might might been more boring and obvious if i'd known that but but the I, my idea was that bonehead was the you know that lofty deeds was this kind of like failed country singer or, or you know he's was, he was maybe like roy rogers who'd left some sort of band and then had you know fallen on hard times but he'd also had a career in the movies and he played this kind of john wayne type character called bonehead but he has a he has a skull for his, a head, you know, and he spends, he spends most of his time punching people in blindfolds, which is <laughs> quite a nice image. <laughs> nice.
0: Well, uh, so so you're rehearsing with the with this new band. I could hear a little bit as as I was doing my work today, you, you had the microphone open, and I could hear some some distant strains of the rehearsing. It yeah, sounds, we've we've sounds been, we've been
2: playing and playing. We have got two violins, two acous three acoustic guitars, sometimes some drums, but everyone sings as well. It's the it's the first band I've been in with it's me and five women, which I like. I like this ratio. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like the odds, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. If they can just get rid of me it be an it'll be an all girl band. <laughs> I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some budget. No, you
1: know? no. It's a great porno film if you ask me. <laughs> well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no well, I don't know about that. Uh, four yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: women and a guy naked playing instruments
0: well no they didn't say they were naked manny but <laughs> no. Of, no
1: no we, no we, we
2: are how did you how did you know we are okay all right. all right yeah
1: there you go all right,
2: yeah. all, right. all right all right. that all right.
1: sounds good to, i would buy that record
2: okay okay i'll send you i'll send you a copy
1: <laughs> yeah send me a copy
0: well uh john we're kind of on the downslope of the podcast here so uh um, so I guess that's that's what's coming up for you, and and um, you know any plans to to go out on tour with any of these bands or?
2: Uh well, I got some dates in uh, Europe in September, but I just it seems like it's too hard to go. The, the amount of money you have to spend on getting tested and then staying in like government hotels and being quarantined, it's just not. I'm not really into it. I think I might just stay on. But uh, yeah, we got plans. We're going to kind of see what happens next year. I've, I, at the moment, we're getting loads of great gigs in the Chicago area. Going to go to Cleveland and play on August the 5th with the Waco brothers. So, you know, just taking nice. it slowly, little baby steps. We, we weren't, you know, we're not, that, we're not that workaholic when it comes down to it, you
0: know. Okay. Right on. Well, Manny, uh, uh, any, any uh, closing remarks?
1: Yeah, I I just want to ask you and 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 John T., um I was thinking about this the other day. People love eggs with bacon, and they love eggs with sausage. And there's people who love steak and eggs, right? We all we've all been there. We love that stuff, but but how come eggs? They don't seem to go well with chicken.
2: Ah, then, you, then you haven't had the to, the case of what's it called? No, oh, what's it called when you, you mash the the corn chips up with some egg That's and some chicken?
1: That's the uh, um, I know what you're talking about. I
2: know what I'm talking about as well, but I've the like in a senile <laughs> moment I've forgotten what it actually yeah. is chilaquiles
1: chilaquiles yes
2: yeah you can put a bit of chicken in there some green some little verde sauce and some eggs exactly
1: and stuff. but i mean i was actually uh thinking uh chicken doesn't go well with eggs except for that dish you 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 source that out john i'm happy you did i that. blame
2: paul simon really cuz he had that song mother and child reunion
1: <laughs> and
2: i think i think that song's about
1: the chicken and
2: the egg? No, he's eating. He's eating a. He's got a. He's got a breast of chicken and some fresh eggs on a plate, and he's horrified.
1: Yeah. What about chicken and waffles? I never like that. Have
2: you ever had chicken and waffles on a pizza? Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I never have.
2: Well, you can get that at Demos in Chicago, which my son loves.
1: Oh, oh God! Well, it's been nice knowing him. <laughs> <laughs> Been nice uh, talking to you. I've got to go now. Manny, I, I
2: wish you well with your campaign to become mayor of New Orleans, and I want you to know that you you have my unbridled, unreserved re- support in this effort.
1: Well, tell uh, you you have a mini little tour going on. Tell the people to vote for Manny Chevrolet.
2: That's what I'm going to do. All right, nice. Vote early. Vote often.
1: Yeah, vote early, vote off. If you're dead, you can still vote. You know? That's what, yeah. That's what I hear. It's New Orleans.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, so, uh, John, as always, uh, in the troubled nation, we like to say, uh, trouble
3: never ends. But the struggle continues. Good
0: night.
1: Good
3: night to you. I've been away from the rain too long. Far from the valley, my family called home. Low clouds hang in a cold grey sky There's a shadow on the mountain side Water running round your feet Down the steep and narrow streets Through brook and reen and tributary And a river winding to the sea That cuts the town in two It's calling out to you You've been out of the rain too long The water is deep, the current is strong And down in your bones You've always known Only the river can carry you home Oh